Hi, it's Dwyer, gamblersadvisory.com, keepingitfree.blogspot.com. It's Sunday, November 5th, 2023. Let's talk boxing. Let's talk about Effie Ajaba's victory over Joe Goodall. But first remember, the opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Now, I did not like the stoppage, right? Just didn't like it. I thought Tony Weeks's decision was premature. Let's be clear. Um, while we have some guys with legs with belts, right? Not my cat trying to crash the video less than a minute in, but Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk. If you look hard at the heavyweight division, you're going to see that this is actually a puncher's era. Right? You have, uh, name your favorite puncher. Wilder, AJ, Nganu, Zhang, Ajaba, Wardley. Right? And this is in the heavyweight division. Now, if you're going to stop a heavyweight boxing match every time someone gets stunned or dazed you're not going to have a division right here joe goodall had beaten a jabba in the amateurs and in this fight this professional fight he was landing more than 30 percent of his punches he never hit the canvas he was circling a jabba Right? The fighters were tangled up a little bit. Goodall had his hands up and was defensively conscious. Now, it's my understanding, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that in boxing, even when you get knocked down, you have 10 seconds to get off the canvas. Here you have a heavyweight fight. Sure, Goodall is buzzed. Yes, Ajaba is winning the fight. But Goodall's an active opponent. He's not being overwhelmed. He doesn't have a cut. Both of his eyes are wide open. He's conscious. I thought it was ridiculous to stop it. Right? This is not drunk driving. You can be buzzed in boxing and still be effective if you can get your wits about you after 10 seconds on the canvas. Right? If the canvas and you're a little bit woozy, most referees allow you to fight through it because, after all, this is the hurt business. You can't take the hurt out of the hurt business. So, those of you who watched my pre-fight video know that I'm not crying over spilled milk, right? I had the under as part of my betting portfolio. In fact, the main part of my betting portfolio Right? I won when the fight got stopped. Several rounds before the over-under, by the way. Right? But this was bad for boxing. I have to say, I've seen Tony Weeks referee some great fights, do a great job. I've also seen Tony Weeks make mistakes like this one. Right? I didn't even think Goodall was staggered in the other rounds. I thought he gets hit here. He's a little confused. He's a little overwhelmed. 
Folks, we've seen several fights where a guy has been in the state that Goodall has been in and has come back to win that round. Right? I thought the stoppage was unfortunate. The first sign of any kind of adversity, the ref jumps in in a heavyweight match, right? That is for a minor belt and stops the fight. That doesn't sit well with me, even when I've won the bet. Now, I understand that Goodall's corner was gracious in defeat. Understand they have to be. When you're dealing with powerful promoters, you understand that the promoters don't want to deal with a malcontent, right? The good old corner knows they weren't ahead in the fight at the time of the stoppage, right? But just because they're gracious doesn't mean that you and I have to be. I thought the stoppage was premature. Next, let me say this. You've heard me here tout corners in the past. Right? I'm impressed with Robert Garcia, more so than AJ is. I'm impressed with Derek James. Right? I'm impressed with Bomack. Let me just say, I don't know the guys in Ajaba's corner, but they are doing a spectacular job. Ajaba is a reclamation project. Understand he's barely recognizable to the fighter he was just a few fights ago. He's always had one of the heavyweight division's biggest punches. He only has to be right once in a fight. In a sense, he's a poor man's Deontay Wilder. But, and let's be clear here, this is not a fan club site. In the past, he was too robotic. In the past, he had a problem with an opponent's movement. In the past, he was too low volume. There were fights where you saw him in the ring and he looked like a spectator. He was losing rounds and you wouldn't sense the urgency. Now understand, I'm being hard here. He's only lost one fight and that was to Frank Sanchez, who of course had movement that Ajaba was just ill-equipped for. Made no adjustments for that I saw. Right? Was systematically beaten, even gets dropped in that fight. Right? He looked like a guy who couldn't get the car in fourth gear. Now, all of that has changed. He has figured out how to make his jab an issue to the point where the fight does not start until an opponent figures out what to do with his jab. Understand the problem for the opponent. Ajaba is 6-6, conservatively. And he knows how to use length. In other words, you have a tall guy coming down on you with an accurate jab. And it's hard to counter him because he's establishing the distance. Right? You're too far away to throw a hook. It's hard to hit him in the face because he's so tall and he knows how to handle his length, right? Between you and me, he could do a better job with his length. Let's hope he looks at Vitaly Klitschko videos, right? Leaning back would probably help him a little bit, but he is only 29. This is the heavyweight division. 
right? Heavyweights age more slowly than everyone else. At 29, Ajaba is just now learning how to walk. Well, understand this jab gives him a huge advantage, and I mean a huge advantage in the early rounds. He's a knockout puncher who doesn't have to overextend himself in the early rounds. That jab will win him many of the early rounds, right? If an opponent starts slow against a Jabba who's a big-time puncher, then that opponent is going to start to get desperate, is going to start to dive in the pocket, and is going to play right into Ajaba's hands. Ajaba should be able to walk him into some power shots. Right? Let me also say, too, that now's the opportunity in this video for us to talk about what it takes to get by a jab. Right? We're trying to figure this out because when you see a guy with a good jab like Ajaba, and let's not confuse this with a Larry Holmes jab, right? Larry had a mobile jab. That's a different animal altogether. Tyson Fury has a mobile jab. These are guys who are moving in the ring, and while you're trying to bum-rush them, you're getting hit with shots. Ajaba's jab is more from the pocket, right? But just understand, when you have an Ajaba and you're thinking whether he's going to win a fight, and you're looking at the opponent, you need to ask yourself, how would the opponent get by a Jabba's jab? Let's talk about the ways. You can use a hand to knock it down, like Zhili Zhang does, or like Vladimir Klitschko did in his victory over Sultan Abragamov. That's an excellent tape to watch for exactly this, right? Another way is to use movement to dodge the jab and to keep Ajaba lifting his feet and turning in the pocket, right? Force the guy throwing the jab to have to find you, like Frank Sanchez did in giving Ajaba his only loss. <coughs> Another way to get by a jab is to bob and weave, to duck under the jab. A master of this technique was smoking Joe Fraser. But, and you saw in this fight, the but, you need to have the flexibility in your upper body, right? If you're stiff in the body like Goodall was, then this option is not available for you. In other words, the time to win a fight is before the fight. Right? You read The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Right? It's, it's before the fight that you win a fight. You have these skills. Then when the fight opportunity arrives, you can use these skills to beat the other fighter. If you don't enter the ring with flexibility in your upper body, if you haven't developed the reflexes in upper body to bob and weave, this option's not available. To you. Let's talk about another way to get by a jab. You can use timing and movement to throw your own jab. 
Now understand, when Vladimir Klitschko was champion, he bludgeoned you with a left jab, bludgeoned you. He's in the ring against Tyson Fury. He's trying to bludgeon Tyson Fury. Here's the problem. We said it before, Fury has his own mobile jab. Fury has legs and can move. Right by contrast, Vladimir Klitschko had a robotic stationary jab. So you know what happened. Vladimir Klitschko's throwing his jab. That's not going to stop Tyson Fury from throwing his own jab. Tyson can do it in a fluid moving environment. Vladimir couldn't. Vladimir Klitschko, the jabber, got out jabbed by Tyson Fury. Fury controlled distance to the point where at one point of that fight, Fury put both hands behind his back. Let's talk about another way to dodge a jab. If you have ring coverage, what I call ring coverage, which is the ability to throw power shots from long range, you can force the jabber to keep his jab at home by threatening to throw lead power shots, or heavy counters. Right so, Razor Ruddick was in a fight against an excellent fighter. Ruddick had a habit of throwing a jab to the body. Now, this is important because we're in an era where Francis Ngannou was able to hit Tyson Fury with several body jabs. Now, the trainer, Emmanuel Stewart, great trainer, with his fighter, Lennox Lewis, knew that when Ruddick got comfortable in the pocket, he would start to throw jabs to the body. So Lewis, who could counter, waited for Razor Ruddick to dip his head to throw a jab to Lewis's body. And as Ruddick's throwing the jab to Lewis's body, Lewis counters him with a huge shot that materially changes the fight, right? Understand, let's name another great fighter. Roy Jones had a great left hook from distance. Jones had ring coverage on that left hook. So you'd be fighting Jones. If you were a righty against Jones, right? Just understand, your left jab is coming in on Jones's right side. So Jones would be fainting throwing the left hook. And you had to look at Jones's feints because Jones was a freak athlete with blinding hand speed. So when Jones moved his shoulder, you thought, is he coming with that hellacious left hook? Right? A lot of guys got distracted away from throwing jabs against Roy Jones because they needed to park their other hand to block Jones's left hook. Right? Jones's left hook made them terrified to be throwing a jab while dealing with a possible counter left hook from Roy Jones. Let's talk about another way to dodge a jab. Now, again, you either have ring coverage or you don't. If you don't, strategies that a guy with ring coverage and fast reflexes can employ don't apply to you. Let's talk about another thing that didn't apply to Joe Goodall. If you're defensively blessed, a student of the game, 
who has studied and know the angles. You can set up in the pocket low, away from the jab, with your head tucked behind your shoulder in such a way that the jabber can't find you while you're in the pocket. Think Floyd Mayweather, right? Understand to take to be defensively blessed takes time. It's a Jordan mindset, right? Understand as good as Jordan was offensively in the NBA, Jordan was on something like nine all-defensive teams, something like that, right? Jordan was thinking defense half the time. Right? If you're a fighter who's defensively blessed and you're in whatever construct you have, Philly shell, crossover hand, whatever, right? And you're to the point where you have made your game in such a way that you've thought about the other guy's jab. And you've thought about how to position yourself where the other guy's going to have to reach with the jab to find you. Then you can handle the other guy's jab. Finally, let's talk about another way. If you have foot speed and timing, you can also do an ambush. Think about the great ambush fighters, right? I know he looked terrible against Canelo, but Jamel Charlo is an excellent ambush fighter, right? He's too far outside to be hit with a jab. Then Charlo can jump in the pocket. Right? When he jumps in the pocket, he's doling out his own punishment. Right? If you can tilt a jabber onto his back foot, someone who's not a mobile jabber, someone who's not Ali or Tyson Fury, right? If you could tilt a jabber onto his back foot, you might be able to completely neutralize their jab. Think about the first fight between Prevetkin and Dillian White, who has an excellent jab. Now, as Bernardo Suna and Tim Bradley pointed out on the telecast, Joe Goodall has problems dealing with a jogger's jab. Goodall, who is 6'5", right? Understand, he's a big man. Maybe he's not as tall as a jabba. That doesn't mean he's not a tall fighter. Goodall is 6'5", and he simply can't think like a smaller man. He has not developed the upper body flexibility to bob and weave, in part because he's usually the taller man in the fight. So you'll notice Canelo will bob and weave at times, right? Joe Fraser, who was fighting bigger men than him most of the time, is in the ring bobbing and weaving, getting inside. Joe Fraser, by the way, gets inside effortlessly on Ali. I understand it's the Ali of the 70s, not the 60s. But just understand, he's able to back up Ali to the ropes. And he's able to get inside effortlessly. He doesn't have to worry about being close enough to hit Ali with his left hook. Because he is close enough. He's gotten by Ali's jab. Now contrast that with Sonny Liston. That first fight where Liston is outside and Liston can't figure out Ali's mobile jab. Can't figure out Ali's movement. Understand, too, Goodall has other problems. Your past 
sometimes is indicative of your future. Goodall is a slugger. Look at his slugging percentage. So he has not developed the movement of a Frank Sanchez or a Tyson Fury. Right? Understand, too, Goodall, as a slugger, wants to trade with you. So he has not developed the knowledge of angles, movement, and defense of someone who doesn't want to trade. You might recall Ali after he beats Liston, is on camera and he says, look at me, I'm as pretty as a girl, right? His point was, hey, I was untouched, right? You know the fighters who want to look good, right? Adrian Broner, after fights, would comb his hair in the ring, brush his hair in the ring, right? That's a message to let people know, hey, I look good and I'm not going to have these good looks get ruined by being hit in a boxing match, even though I'm a, a professional prize fighter, right? I'm untouched, right? That's not the good all mindset. The good all mindset is to trade. It's to slug, right? Let me also say too, he doesn't have, and don't underestimate this skill, it's, it's huge, he doesn't have the defensive timing to knock down a jab like a Zhili Zhang does against Joe Joyce, right? By the way, Zhang attended the fight, right? He was in the building. Still, given all of the shortcomings, Goodall had a chance to win the fight. At times, Goodall got inside. But here's where it became a chess match. A Jogba was ready. Did anyone catch the uppercuts? A Jogba threw more than once when Goodall got inside. Right in the pre fight video, people left comments. Those comments are very revealing. They tell us what we think right before the fight goes off. Many people talked about how Ajaba really needed to be outside to be effective. The idea was that once Joe got inside, Joe would be on at least even footing with Ajaba. Well, understand, Joe gets inside. In a fight in which Goodall is landing more than 30% of his shots. But Ajaba now has an uppercut. And it's lethal. So Ajagba has added layers to his game. You get inside now, I'm going to hit you with an uppercut, right? I'm guessing in time, Ajagba is going to learn how to clinch and grab you when you get inside, like Ali did Fraser in the rematch, right? Illegally, by the way, Ali was grabbing the back of Fraser's head. But just understand, Ali goes through a whole stretch of his career where he's fighting people like Ron Lyle. In other words, rough and tumble guys. And when Ron Law gets inside, Ali's hugging him. Right? Bob Foster actually complained. <laughs> the light heavyweight champion, who, of course, fought multiple heavyweight champions. He fights Joe Fraser. Right? Fraser, of course, it's one of the great fights. Uh, Fraser, of course, has the attitude of a heavyweight champ, even though Fraser was a smaller guy. 
of you're in against a heavyweight champ, you're not a heavyweight, I'm going to find you and I'm going to hurt you. Fraser knocks out Bob Foster. Foster fights Ali. Ali actually boxes Foster, who was a big puncher for a light heavyweight. Then Ali starts grabbing Foster, and Foster complained about Ali grabbing him. Of course, you know the rest. Ali ends up getting a later knock knockout. I'm guessing a Jogba's game, given his length, given his jab, he's going to find a way when you slip inside to not just deal with uppercuts and hooks to the body, but he's going to find a way to clinch you as well, right? He seems to be on the road. Well, just to understand, at distance, a Jogba is loaded, right? That jab has accuracy. Understand, his straight right is one of the division's best punches. I thought Goodall's doing well until he gets hit with a straight right from a Jabba, right? A Jabba can also throw long right hooks. It looks like a straight right, but you'll notice as he throws it, he puts a little bit of a loop in it. So you could be all set up for a straight right and still get hit on the side of your head, right? If he can add, and maybe he has it, you heard his corner after the fight say, we did not get a chance to show everything we have in this fight. If a Jabba can add a leaping left hook, think Mayweather against Diego Corrales. Think Canelo against Kovalev, right? If Ajaba can add a leaping left hook, a Roy Jones-type left hook to his straight right hand, oh my. Let me channel Dick Enberg here. Oh my, right? So I'm not going to give the casino back its money, but this fight was just getting started when it got stopped by the ref, let me be blunt too. Because I would have gotten six to one on the good all side of the play, I won the main part of my bet, the under. You can imagine, even though I hit on the under, I was sore when the fight got stopped, right? I thought good all was a live dog. I thought he was hanging around a Jabba. A Jabba was lucky the prior opponent against him was addicted to low blows. So Ajaba wasn't extended into the later rounds. Understand the way the line was. Believe it or not, you were getting shorter odds on the over than you were the under, which was high at eight and a half rounds. I believe the books understood that if this fight got to the later rounds, Ajaba might lose the edge he had in punching power. So let's just say the stoppage marred the fight for me. So where does that leave us? That leaves us in an interesting place, folks. Anthony Joshua is still a cash cow at heavyweight, right? Understand he still has a chance to run the table, right? Let me just say this. He doesn't have a dance partner. Ergovic is fighting Valen for a title. 
right? They'll set it up. So, of course, when Fury enters the ring against Usyk before their first fight, that fight will be for the undisputed heavyweight title. But as they did with the Canelo-Charlo fight, boxing will do the right thing and will quickly strip the IBF belt or whatever belt it is away from whoever the winner is of that fight, right? Because the mandatory is Ergovic and the winner of Fury Usyk's going to dodge Ergovic, right? So just understand, AJ can't fight Ergovic or Valen. They're committed to a fight. He can't fight Fury or Usyk for the next year because they're committed to two fights. Now, let me just say this. Money is interesting. Reports are that the Fury and Ganu fight was a pay-per-view dud. Great event, classic event. You and I understand that if they have a rematch, the pay-per-view will be bonzo. It'll be blockbuster. But according to early reports, Jake Paul's fight against Nate Diaz drew a bigger pay-per-view audience than Fury and Ganu. Why? Because we all thought it was a mismatch. New guy against heavyweight champion? We thought it was a mismatch. So let me just say this. And let me just say, the Gervonta Davis-Ryan Garcia fight got, according to reports, more than double the pay-per-view numbers that Fury got against Ngannou. Right? Let me say, too, that Wilder and AJ can't reach a deal in part because of the world economy's economic problems. Right, folks? The economy is slowing down. Right? These fighters want the big money that they got in the past. Adjustments are going to have to be made. Risks are going to have to be taken by the fighters to make fights happen. Now, Eddie Hearn has talked about having a rumble in the jungle, too. You might recall one of the biggest fights in boxing history was champion George Foreman. He was the favorite, unbeaten at the time. Understand, Ali, gold medal winner in 60, Fraser in 64, Ali, excuse me, Foreman in 68, right? Foreman was the champ. He faces an old man, Muhammad Ali, old, according to heavyweight standards then in the 70s in Zaire will overlook the fact that uh, Mobutu had a role in overthrowing a democratically elected Patrice Lumumba. I don't want to get too political in this video. Let's just say Hearn wants AJ to fight in Ghana in Africa. Let's make this provocative and let's add a Jabba to the mix and let's twist this. I need for you to understand that the players behind the scene all know each other. Antonio Leonard, James Prince, Eddie Hearn, Bob Arum, please Google all of them. I'm not saying everyone gets along, but what I am saying is they all know each other. Now, the United Kingdom has roughly 67 million people, give or take. Would it shock you to know that Nigeria, where Ajaba is from, a country that he represented in the Olympics, has more than three times that amount, right? It's an underreported story. Demographically, Africa is blessed. The country of Nigeria alone has 220 million people, give or take. 
Now, Anthony Joshua has family ties to Nigeria, right? From where Ajaba is an Olympian. 